We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Titanic was the biggest ship on the ocean, but that didn't mean it was unsinkable. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I want you to use ombudsman in a sentence next week. I got one for you. My name is Kevin, the official ombudsman of the Desperate Spike Podcast. You like apples? All right, welcome back into another episode of the Just Press Play podcast. I am joined once again by LJ and what's Pop. Up? What is up? What's up, what's up, what's up? Well, we are coming fresh off some good football. We had the uh, divisional round, then we had the championship game in college football on Monday night. Joe Burrow ending that magical carpet ride of a season. I think we'll get into some of that. And we, and we got all kinds of stuff. I think Dad kind of maybe wants to get into the, the royal split. Going on right. over overseas, so <laughs> right. there's 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 all kinds of things we have to get into. But first, before we get into it, I do want to talk to you about our friends from my bookie. As a true football fan, you already know watching the games is fun, but watching the games when you got a little skin in it is even better. And that's what my bookie offers you. That is the best premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action, just sports action throughout the time and. Right, they have the most up-to-date lines and most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to be betting this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best over at MyBookie. And as you know, we talked about it last week. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try one of the parlays. Unfortunately, the lock <laughs> that we were giving out last week didn't quite work. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens kind of screwed that up. Well, maybe yeah, it I don't maybe think had more to do. Baltimore did it. Yeah. I think it was the Alabama Hammer is what did it. <laughs> it might have had more to do with Tennessee Titans and the Alabama Hammer. They have it running back who was just running all over them. Credit LJ for the nickname there. Yeah. Uh, but, the, yeah, they kind of screwed up our parlay. But uh, either way, we're going to give out some more uh, opportunities. We'll probably throw out a pick or two for the uh, conference championship round coming up. But if you are wanting to get in the game, you can, if your listeners of the JPP prod, podcast can put in the promo code chair when they visit my bookie and they will double your first deposit. Double. That the promo code chair. Is that what you said? C H A I R. Double. You put in whatever you deposit, Two they're going to just double it, roll it over, give you extra money to play with. And what better? You can go ahead and put some on the, uh, we got the conference championship rolling up. Dad, let me ask you. So we got. Looks like Kansas City favored by seven and a half. 49ers favored by seven. We got both home teams favored. Are you um uh, is there anything you're wanting, any locks you're throwing out this week? Or uh oh, that's a long pause. <laughs> yeah, well, it's scary because I really kind of believe in Tennessee, but boy, Kansas City. I Tennessee's better coached than Houston. So I, I think if Tennessee gets lucky and gets up twenty one or twenty four to nothing, 
they won't get scored 51 to 7. They won't have whatever <laughs> unanswered points. So I would say Tennessee would cover that seven and a half. And uh, I think San Francisco is going to beat Green Bay handily. So I would say they're going ah, to. So you're going with the favorites. I'm going. I'm going well, with no, the no, favorites, no, but I'm going with Tennessee to cover, and I'm going San Francisco to win by more than seven. Elton, what do you think? Do you think he's on to something? Oh, I think they both cover. I think Tennessee, there's there's no way, unless Derrick Henry's legs just give out, there's no way the Chiefs will still be able to tackle him in the fourth quarter. They don't have anywhere near the defense that Baltimore has, and we saw how that happened. And so I think the Titans might win that game. Um, Whoa! As far as okay. the other game, though, I think the Packers – Showed that they have the you know potentially the best offensive line. I mean, probably the best offensive line playing right now, and uh, so that'll be fun to watch against the 49ers defensive line, who's uh, back to back to what they looked like and, a while yeah. ago. So I think that's going to be yep. the immovable object and the unstoppable force, and we're going to see what happens, and it's going to be fun. Well, there you go. We'll we'll dive into a little more. But for uh, anybody wanting to get some get some money in on the game, visit mybookie.ag today. Put in the promo code chair c h a i r. Double your first deposit and go in there. You play, you win, you get paid. So let's let's go on what's freshest, and that is Monday night's college football championship. As we mentioned off the top, Joe Burrow with a fantastic mm. game mm. throw in. I think 463 yards, threw for five touchdowns, ran for one more, ended up breaking the record for passing touchdowns in a season from LJ's boy, Colt Brennan, back in Hawaii. He set the record way back. Wow, yeah. Wow, drug yeah. that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Pops, I just go straight over to you. I, I guess uh, God wasn't in favor of Clemson this week, or I, you know, Davos. <laughs> I don't know how that. Maybe, yeah, I don't know how that rolls. Um, you know, what what you think of the game? Well, I thought you know at first LSU did not look you know great right at first. I mean, they kept getting pinned down on the five yard line. Couldn't uh, the field position game was was being handily won by Clemson. Uh, but boy, when they turned it on, I'm trying to remember what what was it that turned the tide. I guess there was a long touchdown, wasn't it, down the right sideline? They, they threw that long one to chase, but even yeah. then, Clemson kind of answered. They but did once answer. Once they got that, once they got that, I felt like LSU's offense started just kind of rolling. They did, but I thought at halftime it was still anybody's game. Uh, I, I really mm-hmm. did, and then and then LSU just was the better team in the second half. I mean, it, it was it was clear. Now that guy, there will be a little, I think. Uh, complaining about the guy that got thrown out, uh, the Stalsberg. The targeting call. Yeah, the targeting call. That call. That hit was not as bad as J- Jadavian Clowney's hit on Carson Wentz that didn't get called at all, in my opinion. I thought yeah. – and that was his first offense, wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I thought him getting – Yeah, it, it, by the letter of the law, he, I think, should have been suspended or kicked out of the game, but I, I think that's where the rules flawed. I just – I don't know. I, I didn't think he should be – if you want to give him the 15-yard penalty, sure, but to kick him out of the national championship game, that seems like a lot. Yeah, and he hadn't done anything before. Now, if he did something like that again or anything questionable, kick him out. But I, I thought that immediate removal. And he, you know, is a big part of the heart and soul of that Clemson defense. So that that hurt Clemson. There, There's no doubt about yeah. that. Uh, but LSU, I, I don't want to take anything away from LSU. They were the best team on the field. They were the best team all year. Joe Burrow looked amazing. Whoever Who's got the number one pick? Cincinnati? Cincinnati, yep. He's, yep. he's a Ohio boy. Good as gone, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. It was it was interesting. I, so watching that game, I think it kind of came down to two really good quarterbacks. We were probably watching the two, the next two number one overall picks in Joe Burrow and, and Trevor Lawrence. Yep. LJ's favorite player yep. over there on, <laughs> on Clemson. Um, and it looked to me like one quarterback 
stepped up to the moment in Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Why I still think he's really good, and he'll—I mean, he's just a sophomore. He's probably—I think he's 19 years old, so he'll be just fine. And now he's 26 and one as a starter, 25 and one as a starter. So he'll—he'll he'll be fine. But I just think in the championship game, he had about nine overthrows. I think is what ESPN said, which is the most by any player this year in a game. He just. He wasn't quite ready for it, and Joe Burrow was. What really fascinated me, and I was watching it, and I thought, is it Joe Burrow that's really good, or is it just LSU has so many great skill position players? Because those receivers between Chase and Jefferson, both are going to be making plays on Sundays, I think, soon. And then that running back, I like that little Clyde Edwards mm-hmm. uh, Hilaire. Yeah. That little, that little, he's a little guy, but he can pack a punch. He reminds me a little of Jones Drew back in the day at, at Jacksonville. Just small, but yeah. can do a little bit of everything. Uh, but but Joe Burrow, I think he's that guy. I think he it, it's not just the skill guys. He was amazing. And I think what you were talking about, Pops, and what really kind of intrigued me was that first quarter, Brett Venables and that Clemson the defense had him kind of – Yes. They had him re- re- reeling a little bit. They, they were getting pressure. That Isaiah Simmons guy, that linebacker, they were moving all over the field that was really fast, was blitzing from different spots. And Joe Burrow looked like he didn't know what to do. And once he I, – I just think what interests me was he was able to – see it for a quarter, and after seeing it on so many possessions, he finally got the answers to the test. And then once he figured out that defense, it was over. Mm -hmm. He was moving that ball up and down the field, and Clemson just couldn't score with him. I I think you're right. The best team won. Joe Burrow ended his season with a huge, uh, amazing stat line, and he'll go number one overall. It was was a good game. LJ, do you have any thoughts from it in general? Uh, I mean, the only thing I wanted to throw out is uh, we were keeping up with how many uh, touchdowns Joe Burrow had in Atlanta versus Matt Ryan. And so I wanted to see who he out threw um, in New Orleans. And he did out throw uh, Teddy Bridgewater um, in touchdowns (laughs) in New Orleans, which is kind of impressive with that six game streak, but not so much. So still pretty (laughs) cool. But that's all I've got to add. Just in the uh, final, in the two games from the college football semifinal and the championship, Joe Burrow accounted for, I believe, 16 touchdowns <laughs> in those two games wow. and over a, and a thousand yards. So solid into his season. Yeah. It was a nice little way to put a little exclamation point on the end of that year. That's not bad. So <laughs> did y'all see, did y'all see after the game that Odell Beckham was apparently handing out hundred dollar bills to LSU so players? I just saw that that happened. Like, is that like, that's got to be against the rules, right? So yeah. So two different reports. One are that he was he was handing out money, but it was all to guys who were out of eligibility who were going to be turning pro. So what, you think he was like checking ID, like how? Like, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then but listen your to this. Listen to this. LSU <laughs> LSU claims that the money was fake. I don't think Odell Beckham is rolling around with fake hundred dollar no. bills. I bet those bad boys were real. Yeah. I just it cracked me up, but then again, I I don't know. I I thought it was great, and I didn't even think about oh, it must be against the rules at first. And then Twitter blew up like every every and I follow obviously a lot of Arkansas fans, and they were they were like like tweeting that video and putting at LSU compliance at NCAA, like trying to get LSU in trouble. Wouldn't that be hilarious if they were all suspended next year because OBJ gave him a hundred dollars the national championship? Oh, that would be so. I, I will say watching that game and then we can get into some NFL stuff. Uh, just listening to some of the analysts and all the people that were there in new Orleans and seeing shots of bourbon street. I was kind of jealous. Bourbon street was probably rocking oh, no Monday night. Hey, I got a breaking stat for you. Joe Burrow Uh-oh. also has as many rushing touchdowns in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium as Alvin Kamara does. Wow. 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 <laughs> That's something. LJ just dropped bombs on us. There we go. Mm. All right. Anyway. 
All right. Well, that will do it for some of the college football stuff. I just want to touch on it because we were all – I know we were kind of keeping an eye on that game, and it was a fun game. I wish it would have been closer down the stretch. It was It was I, long. Yeah. Yeah, can we – so it started at a decent time. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Halftime took forever. Yeah, it started at 7. But I swear they must have had a 45-minute halftime because, you know, they introduced the top 11 NCAA players or something. Right, right. Uh, but, yeah, it just – that was Which, too long. Which, by the way – uh, I believe that was when they introduced Herschel Walker at one point. Herschel Walker still looks like he could play. He could play, yeah, team. right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that man looked. He was a full grown man still. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's gotten smaller since he retired. Not at all. No. But yeah, I agree. I, at one point, I was thinking the third quarter was starting up, and I looked down at my phone or something, and it was nine forty or nine forty five or maybe close to ten. I thought, did it start late? And then I was like, no, it started seven. I think. Maybe commercial breaks were longer than halftime was long. It just was a long, long game. Can you imagine yeah. like living on the East Coast? Because I think it got over at like – thing ended oh, about 1 o'clock probably. But yeah, because it was well after 11 when it ended uh, my time. So it was way after 12. I think East if Coast. you stayed up to watch the trophy presentation and all that, you stayed up till about 1230 Central time. So, I mean, you were up late on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into some NFL stuff. Now let's go to the guys who get paid to play, or at least get paid on the books to play. Um, <laughs> and let's just uh, – I'll just go to you, Pops. What game do you want to talk about that Titans win first, or what game do you want to talk about first? Uh, yeah, you know, I, you, you usually ask kind of what was the uh, thing that stuck out to you. And, okay. and the thing that stuck out to me is that the rush is on. And that would be the Alabama Hama, Hama Slamma. Uh, I don't know how many yards he had. Didn't he? Has he got three games now with 180 plus yards uh, so, rushing? Derrick Henry has he had 30 carries for 195 yards last week, including that little three yard jump pass. Jump he had pass for a touchdown. Yeah, he is the first back to ever have three straight games of 30 plus carries and 180 plus yards. And he did that all in must-win games because week 17 was winner go home and then two playoff games. So uh, he's the first guy to ever do that in any three-game stretch, let alone the playoffs. He's also the first player to ever have two games of at least 180 yards in the same postseason. Again, he did that in back-to-back games, so he could keep adding on to that. He he's on a roll like we've ne- literally like we've never seen before. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you know, so Tannehill had seven completions, fourteen attempts for eighty-eight <laughs> yards. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you know that he is the first quarterback since Terry Bradshaw in yeah. nineteen seventy-four to win two playoff games with less than a hundred <laughs> yards passing? Wow. Yeah. So that's nuts. That's yeah, nuts. so Tanathril is now 2 0 in the playoffs, <laughs> throwing for a total, a grand total of 160 yards. Oh, God. I was going to ask you, Pops, because I saw that stat. I thought, I mean, Terry Bradshaw's a Hall of Famer, dude. He went a bunch of playoff games, not even throwing for 100 yards. Well, I mean, he had a hell of a defense. He had, you know, he did have Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. He had Franco Harris, who I was never a big fan of. Rocky Blyer, I was. But, uh, I mean, he had a hell of a team around him. He sure did. So you so, saying Tannehill's a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer? I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. He might be David Baker when we're not getting that. David, big old David Baker may be coming to give him a jacket here soon, surprise him at halftime. Who knows? Um, so um, I thought up, it was Bill? kind of funny how um, a quarterback that was told he should play wide receiver got beat by a wide receiver who ended up playing quarterback and a running back that threw a touchdown pass. Just the, an the awesome irony of Tan- The irony of Tannehill beating Lamar Jackson was yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. You're right. 
Um, I wanted to look back. The Dolphins have to be kicking themselves in the foot. I oh, mean, my God. All, there's so many former Dolphins that look great this year while the Dolphins on their side did not look so good this year. I mean, with Kenyon Drake having a big big year for Arizona once they traded him, Tannehill's 2-0 in the playoffs. I mean, I, what's his name? Is it Adam Gase? Adam Gase, I don't understand how he got a job in New York because everybody seems like they've gotten 10 times better as soon as they yeah. get out from him. He seems to be a player talent killer. so so dad says the rush is back uh the death of the running back is no longer it looks like with with derrick henry but can they can they keep this up you think pops now now they're gonna have to go into arrowhead or just what do you think moving forward well before we get there i do want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson now is 0-2 in the playoffs. Yeah. Had a tough – if you look at the stats, that game really makes no – like, if you're going to look back at this game maybe in three years and you're going to look at – so how did the Ravens lose that playoff game? And look, they if out- you look at Lamar Jackson's stats, you won't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, just in team stats-wise, they outgained the Titans by 230 yards. Jeez. They had more first downs. Jeez. They had a lot more passing yards, obviously. Of course. And then just look at Lamar Jackson. Like Dad said, he had 360 passing yards, a touchdown, and then ran for 140 yards. He's the first player to ever run for pass for 300 and run for 100 in a playoff game. And they lost 28-12. to 12. I mean, I- The story of the game, to me, isn't necessarily what the Ravens didn't do. It's just the Titans – and it's very Vrabel kind of doing a, a, a little bit of a Patriots way where they win in every category that doesn't necessarily show up on the pretty stats that we like to see. They punt really well. Yeah. They don't turn the ball over. They're really good in the red zone. Since Tannehill took over a starting quarterback, they scored touchdowns on 87% of red zone wow. opportunities, which is an insane number. Which the is next closest team. Best, yeah, in the NFL by far. Wow. Yeah, the next closest team, uh, I, I think it was the Chiefs maybe, and they're closer to the 16th best team than they are the Titans. So, I mean, it, it they just score every time they get in the red zone. And then that Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, and I thought this was kind of the story of the game, the Ravens have been so good at fourth and fourth one. And, yep. and they got stuffed on fourth and one multiple times. And then I think nine drives for the Ravens ended inside the Titans 40, and they still and they didn't score on any of those drives. So wow. I mean, they just they tighten up, bend but don't break defense. There's yep. one other thing though, and, and one of the things you explained is is the uh the the Baltimore Ravens having much more yardage, you know, offensive yards. Well, one of the reasons is three of the four touchdowns that Tennessee got started in the Baltimore yeah. side of the field. They had a short field yeah. almost all day. The one time they had a long field, they had Derrick Henry run 65 yards on one play. Yeah. So yeah. they got down there. So so they won the field position game, uh, uh, part of the game, and that, that had a lot to do with who ultimately and, won the game. And LJ's boy, Brett Kern, just he's a mo- <laughs> he is really good at putter. He really yeah. is, LJ. I know we joke about it, but he's actually really he good. He is really good. He is really good. Uh, they just won't beat themselves. I mean, is that what you kind of thought? So I do want to give some credit but uh, to Pops. Last week, you were the one. I don't know if you were calling for a win, but you definitely were yeah, the true. biggest advocate for the Titans and saying they really had a shot at winning. LJ did. I think I think LJ was a little more adamant, but neither one of us thought they really had a shot at going into Baltimore winning. And so I just want to give you some props, Pops. You were – I kind of jumped – I was on the bandwagon Titans early, but I kind of jumped off thinking there was no way they'd beat Lamar. And, Same. And they came in and showed out. Well, I wish I'd have been stronger at it. I think when you asked me which wildcard team could go all the way, I picked Seattle, who is sitting at home now. Yeah. But <laughs> as an afterthought, I said, keep your eye on the Titans. Now, just quickly, though, the Titans have that offense – They they that offense can keep 
the other offense on the sideline. So, yeah. which is kind of what uh, you need to do against the Mahomes. way to beat the Kansas City. The way City to Chiefs. beat Kansas City is keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. So, yep, true we'll that. see how that goes. Well, so let's go right into the next, the other AFC game, and that is the Chiefs Texans. Before we look at kind of a look ahead for the the AFC Championship, and that is. So the, the the Chiefs that game was wild. So the the Chiefs yeah. go down twenty four to nothing to the Texans and then storm back to somehow. I was just looking at stats and like teams that go down twenty one to nothing in the fourth quarter in the or in the first quarter of the playoffs. I believe it was like zero and one hundred and something. Yeah, and then I'm sure. not only did the Chiefs win, they were winning at halftime. Yeah. They were up twenty to twenty four at half. It was insane. Yeah. Like, what were your thoughts from that game, LJ? Uh, I mean, I thought it was over uh, in the first quarter, which never happens. And then right. I couldn't have been more wrong. The The one thing I wanted to like draw attention to, did you guys see, I think it was on Twitter, that Chiefs fan that left the game at halftime. Uh, he was a superstitious fan who left with the purpose of trying to, um, you know, Change get the, the, luck get the karma <laughs> right yeah, or whatever, and they ended up winning. So I think if you're Kansas City – um, you're, if you're the organization, you're gonna get him season tickets next year, but escort him out at the third quarter every time you're losing. <laughs> yeah, but he better leave early every time. <laughs> um, I, I did. Say, I, go ahead. Go ahead, El. Uh, I was just gonna say, I think it was a really good game, really uh, exciting game uh, that I didn't give enough attention to because it was just too wild to even like. I'd look down and look up, and something else crazy had happened. So it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a good game. I mean, at one point, I felt bad for. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was playing a great game and was losing by 17 points in the third quarter. Like, I felt bad. Now, a lot is being drawn to, and Bill O'Brien has had some coaching goose before. A lot is being drawn to on fourth and one when they were up 21 to nothing in the around the, the I think it was like yeah. the 30 yard line or so. <clears throat> they decide to kick the field goal to go up 24 to nothing. I think he was on like the 13. Was it that I close? Think he it was, was close, it, yeah. It was it was close. They were they were threatening to go up even more, go up twenty eight to to nothing. And he decided to kick the field goal after calling a timeout to think about it. And and then after the after the game, he was asked about it, and he said he didn't have a play that he was in love with to get that first down. But it's not necessarily not going for it there that's getting people talking. It was the next possession or two possessions later in his own territory. Now he decides on fourth and four to do a fake punt. And they don't get it. And now the Chiefs have a short field and score once again. That was part of the 28 point second quarter the Chiefs had. So, Pops, I wanted to ask you because I think you kind of hinted at poor coaching for the Texans at the top of the podcast. So, what were your thoughts about Bill O'Brien's decision making in that game? You know, I I think I, I probably would have went for it because I think he was on like the 13 yard line and maybe even a little closer. They were down there very close. Um, and I do kind of understand he didn't have a play like because they did try to sneak Deshaun Watson on a different play last 13 week. 13 yard line, that, you are correct. Didn't work very well. But okay, so I'm okay with that because if he kicks the field goal, you're up still what three, four scores. You have to have four yeah. scores to beat you. So I'm I'm pretty I'm okay with that. But then on your own 33, you go for it on fourth and four. I just you have a commanding twenty four to nothing lead. I think still. I don't think Kansas City had scored yet, but I could be wrong. I don't think so. I think they were up twenty four to nothing. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then went for it on fourth down on their own thirty three. That if you don't make it, you're giving Kansas City a short field, letting them get back in it. Just play the play the field position game. Keep you know. I, I just thought that was if you're going to gamble on one, why not the other? Or I, I, it was peculiar to me. Very peculiar. Call. LJ, LJ, I see you nodding. What do you? 
Well, I was just thinking that they didn't lose that that game off of two plays, uh, just first and foremost. But uh, fair fair point. Um, secondarily, I think that um, you know there there are different there are different play calls that work on different parts of the field, and so if they didn't have a play that they liked on uh, the opposing thirteen, but they did on their own thirty three, like it makes sense that they might have a play that they feel is a higher percentage get um, than the other. And so um, I I think the interesting thing that this year has maybe taught us is how useful it can be to go for it on fourth down consistently. And so teams are getting a little bit more aggressive after watching teams like the Ravens. Yeah. But then the Ravens in this game showed exactly why that can be troublesome is if you take a risk, you know, even if it's a small risk, there's going to be times where you roll snake eyes. You know, you're going to have those fourth downs not go your way all game long and you better hope that doesn't happen in the playoffs. And so I just think this is going to be an interesting offseason where we really are debating whether or not an aggressive fourth down play calling is the right move or if it's um, unnecessary risk if you're already in a great position. Um, but I don't know. I just think that that, that was not the, the series that lost them the game. There was there was so much that happened in that game, and it had a lot to do with the Chiefs just outplaying them all over the place. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of I, no, I, normally I'm a pretty big critic of Bill O'Brien, but I, I think in this case, actually, I, I don't mind his decision making. I think I'm with you guys where the field goal, I personally would have liked to go for it on fourth and one. But like LJ said, if you don't have a play, I mean, like that's like both of y'all said the week before they went for it on fourth and one and Deshaun Watson that sneak it did not look very good. It looked awful. And so if you don't think you have a play for it, the field goal does put you up by four possessions. I don't mind it. And I think it's it's a totally different thing. So, like, earlier this year we got onto the Cowboys and Jason Garrett because it felt like he went for it on fourth and long just to make up for yeah. not going for it on the fourth down before. Like, it looked like he did not, didn't have a solid plan. Whereas I think the Texans before the game probably had a fake punt look, and they probably were like, if we get this certain look, then we're going to do a fake punt and try to get it. And they almost got almost it. Almost got a it. string tackle. Yeah. By uh, it was Sorensen, I think that made that tackle. So I don't mind that. I don't think he. It wasn't like a oh crap, I wasn't aggressive before. I need to be aggressive now. It was just a hey, we got to look and go for it when you see that look. So mm-hmm. I didn't mind that, and I think LJ's on. I mean, you're exactly right. It just was a bad situation. I mean, it was they kicked that field goal, and then the Chiefs go score a touchdown. Then they they don't get the fourth down. They barely miss that uh, fake punt, and then they f- the Chiefs get another touchdown. They fumble the kickoff on the next play. Chiefs get another t- touchdown. Yeah. The Chiefs offense just shows you what we remember from last year and some parts of this year. They remind me a lot of the Golden State Warriors in basketball where you can blink and all of a sudden they're scoring three, four touchdowns yeah, fast. True. And it can it can get out it can get away from you quick. And I think that's just what happened to the Texans. If anything, the coach I'm most disappointed would be Romeo Cornell. Romeo Cornell. Exactly. No, they had no answer for Patrick Mahomes in that offense once it got rolling. Well, well right. let me tell you who they had no answer for was Travis Kelsey. When that guy, there was a guy that went out and Lonnie Johnson came in and he was tasked with covering Travis Kelsey. And he did about as well as I would do. <laughs> I'm telling you, us three could have triple teamed him and done as good as Lonnie Johnson. I mean, which that sounds weird. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Well, I'm just saying, Travis Kelsey, it's funny how in the playoffs you find that one mismatch and they just kept going at it too. And Kelsey was just, too, you know, the, the best thing that happened, he came out and had a tight hamstring or something for that first series in the second half. Yeah, uh, and then came back in and played great. I, I just thought he was the big difference, and Cornell not figuring out a way to stop him at all, which is tougher yeah. said than done. Well, no and Romo, doubt. Romo mentioned it, and it's kind of the 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 
they always like you have the games where someone does something to a team and we think, oh, that's the that's the template. That's how you beat them. And earlier this year, the Colts beat the uh, Chiefs by going man to man against Mahomes. And Mahomes has trouble when a team can run man to man well. Well, there's a difference between running man to man and running man to man well. And like you said, Pops, <laughs> the Chiefs realized that yeah, you can man us all you want, but you don't have anybody that can guard Kelsey. So they just kept on, kept on, kept on. At some point, you got to change up what you're doing because it wasn't working. The Chiefs score seven have seven straight. Uh, drives that go for touchdowns, which is a playoff record. And at one point, did you see the jumbotron for the Kansas City Chiefs? Put had to apologize to fans because they ran out of touchdown fireworks. The team <laughs> were scoring too often. I didn't see that. That's great. That, I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> so we got a team that can score in bunches, and we got a team that can put together long drives and don't shoot themselves in the foot. Now in the AFC Championship, and as we mentioned off the top, the Chiefs are favored by seven and a half at home. Is anybody willing to I, – I know, Dad, you said you think the Titans can at least uh, come within seven and a half. Is anybody willing to pick the Titans to keep this magical ride going? I will. I will happily. LJ? Yeah. Uh, just as long as Derrick Henry's legs keep working, they're going to win They're gonna win this game. Um, I just don't think the Chiefs have, can stop him. Do you have any fear that he can't – I mean, do you have any fear that this will eventually catch up, these 30-carry games? Yeah, but I feel like chances are if running back history shows us anything, it's that next year Derrick Henry is going to be not a great fantasy pick. But um, it doesn't seem like usually the adrenaline can keep you going all the way through. I mean, I guess I would worry if they did make the Super Bowl that that extra week off could like slow, uh, slow down the adrenaline a little bit. But – Usually these streaks keep alive um, before, you know, and then they'll come down gently. So we'll start seeing him get 150 yards a game and that'll be a little yeah. game for him. So um, in in history's sake, I think Derrick Henry keeps doing what he's doing. And I don't think the Chiefs have a chance at stopping him. Um, so then it becomes a shootout uh, running the ball on one side and passing the ball on the other. Yeah. And I think to your point, uh, what Tannehill showed when he kind of came in for the Titans was that if you sell out on the run, he's really good at that play action pass and he'll hit AJ Brown over the top. And I think teams aren't going to, right now they've come in saying, we're not going to let Tannehill beat us with a big play and they're just going to have to beat us with runs, runs, runs. And the Titans are just fine doing it. It's kind yeah. of pick your poison and it will be interesting. Pops, what say you? Do you kind of agree with LJ or? I do kind of agree with him, but uh, I, you know, gosh, they have the tools. It, here's the thing if, if the Titans come out and something happens to them, like happened to Kansas City last week, they get down 20 to nothing or something fast, it's oh, yeah, over. They're dead. It's they're dead. over. If they can True. keep it a close, you know, time of possession game uh, where they don't have to rely on Tannehill, obviously passes for 77 yards per average, <laughs> average per game so far. So it, it has to be a Derrick Henry control the clock kind of low scoring game. If it's a shootout, Kansas City runs away with it. Yeah, but who's got the yeah, most think, well-rested wide receivers in the NFL right now? <laughs> well, that would be the Titans. Yeah, the, the Titans. The Titans haven't done a lot. The receivers haven't had to. So, I, I think it comes down to the first quarter. Both of y'all are right. This kind of goes on both of y'all. I, and I personally think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Chiefs cover. I think they get up by – they just score too much and get up by 14 to 20. And if they do that, the Titans, I think they'll probably get out of their game and try to keep up with the Chiefs. And if, if, if it comes to them trying to keep up with that Chiefs offense, I don't think they have a shot. Now – if they can get a couple turnovers maybe early, if the Chiefs do what they did against the Texans and drop down to 14 to 7 or 17 0 and get down by a couple possessions, Titans could hold on. But I'm picking Chiefs to cover. And I'm the over under 52, I'd probably even say over. I think the Chiefs are just going to score a lot of points. That, that offense is just on a roll. So moving over to the NFC, um, 
Which game would y'all like to touch on first? LJ, do you have a, a preference on one of those? I know y'all were watching that 49er game pretty heavily. Uh, yeah, well, the Niners game was about what uh, I was kind of expecting to see the Niners be, the Vikings. Uh, I, I wish I would have seen them look a little bit better, but that Niners team is just tough. So I don't have a lot to say on that one if you guys want to jump on it. Um, well, I do want to – that game of, of of all of them, to me, show the, the rest really seemed to benefit the 49ers. Those guys – one, just getting healthy with Quan yeah. Alexander, D Ford, and Tart at safety. They they really looked looked healthy. And then they looked at one point in that I believe it was there was a there was a there were seven drives for the Vikings where they got a total of eight yards. Six wow. of those drives they went three and out. I mean the defense just really tightened up. And then there was that drive in the in the third quarter after Kirk Cousins throws that pick to Richard Sherman. It was about the ten minute mark of the third quarter. That next drive, the the 49ers went Tevin Coleman, four yards, Coleman, four yards, Coleman, six yards, Mostert, seven, Mostert, four, Mostert, four, Coleman, 11 yards, Coleman, touchdown. They ran the ball on eight straight plays and just, I think that's demoralizing when yeah. a team that they just, like you said, that offensive line was just pushing them back. And you, when you go and you're like, wow, they're stopping us on defense and they're just running it down our throat, they just kind of force their will on me. That Shanahan, yeah. that guy is really, I, I like watching the game. He, I think he's so good for a quarterback. It was interesting. That first drive, he threw it six times on the, six of eight times, and they marched right down there for a score. And then, so you think, oh, they're going to throw them all game. And I, I thought the Vikings readjusted their game plan to get ready for that pass. Yeah. Then the rest of the game, Shanahan went forty-five runs to just fifteen passes. So he, wow. whatever you whatever you do on defense, he's just going to do the opposite. He's yeah. not going to get stuck in his ways. And yeah, they're going to be tough, tough to beat. What did you think, Dad? After that, I, I'm boy to your point, and and LJ, you'll probably like it too. But I, I'm Kyle, I'm a Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan fan. I was a Mike Shanahan fan. I mm-hmm. loved him at Denver. I think he was. I think he's one of the best coaches. Very innovative. Uh, could could make any uh, offense scheme work to the personnel that he had. And I think that that Kyle's got a lot of that and that confidence. So. I I was really impressed with San Francisco, and you know Garoppolo only threw for what was it? It wasn't much, kind of like you alluded to, 131 yards total passing wow, uh, yeah. by by Garoppolo. So they they just they ran the ball and controlled it, controlled the game. They they were in control. Yeah, I thought that game was about the outcome. I I did want to mention D Ford coming back seems to really have unlocked that that defensive line that we were just. I mean salivating over at the yeah. beginning of the year where they can get pressure. Any like we talked about when the Viking or when the 49ers were 7-0 or whatever they start 10-0. When you get pressure with four, it just makes everybody on that back end look so much better. Yeah. And I think Bosa is kind of the straw that stirs that drink. But D4 just being so <coughs> – now they just have so many guys where you, you really need to double all of them and you can't. Yeah. So that's eight players. Whichever, you got three players yeah, left. <laughs> it's pick your poison. If you want to if you want to single up Bosa, he's probably getting pressure. If you want to single up Ford, he's probably getting pressure. And then in the, with with Buckner and Armstead, I mean, they just got so many guys, yeah. and that's kind of what happens when. And I think that's what they built up when Lynch got there as GM with Shanahan. They just kept drafting guys in the trenches early, and it is showing. And those yeah. guys look really good. They yeah. do. They do. Um, and, and to Kirk Cousins, I don't think this game's as much as oh, this is the real Kirk Cousins we saw. I, I think this just was they ran into a buzzsaw, and Dalvin Cook went nine carries for eighteen yards, and it, it's hard for any quarterback to be successful against that defense when you don't get any running game, but especially Kirk Cousins, I think he's great off play action, and when they had no run game to speak of, it was just tough for him. Breaking news: Luke Keekley is retiring. Uh, wow! Wow! 
Yeah, wow, that kind of makes me happy. I think I sure like him, but he's had a yeah. few concussions. He's he it he probably needs to walk away. Yeah, you don't know. disagree. Yeah, he's probably making the smart decision for for him, but that does stink. I like watching him play. That's about as good of a linebacker as there is playing. Yeah, about yeah, about as good as there is in the league. Yeah, mm-hmm. damn. All right. Anyway, sorry. Um, moving on to the other NFC game, and that was the Packers Seahawks. <laughs> And that was the one we kind of all thought could be close. I think all well, no, LJ was kind of more on the Texans. Basically, all the wild card teams that we chose to make a run didn't do very well. <laughs> Me and Dad were on the Seahawks, and LJ was on the Texans. Um, that game was once again the Packers did impress me. They looked better, but once again they didn't put together four quarters, and they let the Seahawks get right back into it in the second half. Uh, I'll go to you first, Pops. What what did you think? I mean, that was twenty eight twenty three semi close game. What was your thoughts? I was a little underwhelmed with the game. You know, I, I, I couldn't watch it real closely. Um, I mean, so, you know, I, I know Devontae Adams looked good for a bit. And I mean, if, yeah. if he gets on a roll, we do know what Aaron Rodgers is capable of. Aaron Jones, uh, you know, I saw him have a couple of decent runs. The defense can play. I mean, I, uh, they were the better team. The better team won. Um, you know, I think a lot of that had to do. Marshawn Lynch was kind of a novelty thing and boy, in a short yeah. yardage. In a short yardage play, I mean, I'd still put some money on him to to get me that yeah. extra two yards or whatever I need. But he was more of a novelty than than anything yeah. else, and it just it uh, that lack of running game uh, showed up. It showed up finally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to to your point, Devonte Adams and and Rogers looked good. Rogers looked like he was making a few of those throws where that we just go, oh, "That's Aaron Rodgers." Where he looks like he's doing a little fadeaway, or he's just. There's a couple of times where he just does things that I, not very many other guys in the, on the planet can do. Uh, the big thing a lot of people are talking about, and I don't know if this is where you were going to go, LJ, or what you were about to say, but we mentioned Bill O'Brien's fourth quarter deal, and a lot of people were upset with Pete Carroll. They were at Seattle 36 and fourth and 11 with two minutes and 41, and they decided to punt it off and trust that defense to get a stop, which they did have all three timeouts and the two-minute warning. And they just could not get Aaron Rodgers off the field on third down, which they couldn't get him off the field all game on third down. He was yeah. nine for fourteen. Do you think they should have gone for that LJ on fourth and eleven, or or what? What are your thoughts? Well, when I I didn't get to watch every single play of the game, but everything I did watch showed me that the Packers had complete control of the line of scrimmage, and when Aaron Rodgers did have to worry about somebody coming through, he was getting rid of the ball super quickly because he can just diagnose a play at light speed. So uh, the chances that even even with the defense as good as the Seahawks has been, they're not the Legion of Boom like they were years back. And so, no, I don't trust them to, to make a stop. And so, yeah, I think they should have gone for it. I think that was one of those situations where they were betting on the wrong side of their football team. Russell Wilson was the reason that they were in that game in the first place. And, uh, yeah, the Packers were going to beat them if you let the Packers play Packer football. So Well, there's, I know there's, there's nothing worse as a fan when you punt the ball, like ending the game where you punted the ball off and then never get to touch it again. It's one yeah. thing if you don't get that fourth down, at least you went down swinging. Yeah. But punting it and then when you just can't get that team off the field, it is tough. I, I just kind of thought with the, so by punting it off, you're saying you trust your defense to stop them and force a punt, right? Yeah. And why not just go for it if you don't get it? And you're still saying I trust the defense to get a stop and force a field goal. A field goal makes it still, it's an eight point game, but it's still one possession. Good point. I, and and like you said, I think your biggest point, LJ, the whole the Packers got up twenty eight to seven or twenty one to zero at one point or whatever it was. The only thing keeping the Seahawks in that game was Russell Wilson and the magic he was. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic in the second half. I do want to give some credit. He Russell Wilson's if not the best quarterback in the league, he's right there in the conversation. He right. was doing things 
constantly getting pressured and making huge play, and yeah. huge play after huge play. And that's what keeping the game. I'd rather go down with Russell Wilson on the field than go down with that defense. As much as I love Bobby Wagner, that, like you said, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers was already killing him on third down all game. I wanted to ask you guys if y'all had any thoughts on that Jimmy Graham first down that was kind of controversial, went to review. Did y'all think that that was the first? I don't or not? Do you know the play I'm oh, talking about? Oh, where it was like millimeters, right? Yeah, they reviewed it. He got tackled. And by the way, it looked on the line where the line on the field is, it looked like he didn't get it. Yeah. But I think that line, as the announcer shot to tell you all the time, I think that line was off and they showed the down the marker that the – because you can look at the pylon cam. They literally have a camera on the first down marker that yeah. goes across the field. And he doesn't look – or and he did look like he got it from that one. So I know Seahawks fans are saying they got cheated. I, I thought he got it. It was close, but I thought he got it. My, uh, my gut reaction to it was that I didn't feel like you could overturn whatever decision was made. So – um, I, you know, it was, it was close enough that whatever, whatever got called, you got to trust. And so I think that's what happened, right? Yeah. So you kind of agree pops. I do. All right. So now we have a matchup of, I mean, these, uh, th- these jerseys, I think the Packers jerseys and the 49ers jerseys, Packers 49ers are two historic teams. It feels yeah. like we're getting back in, into the old days. And I, I think it'll be fun. The narratives are going to be good. You know, the Aaron Rodgers is a Cali boy going back to California. He, I, I know that back in the, when he got drafted, he thought the 49ers were going to pick him. They chose Alex Smith, yeah. number one overall that year. So there's all kinds of fun narratives. What do you guys think? Uh, I'll go with you first, LJ, because you were saying I know you've been watching the 49ers a lot. Do you think the Packers have a shot? Or Yeah, I think, think they have a shot. Or? But I think this this game is just going to come down to the trenches on both sides. I mean, the the quarterbacks are both good. The running backs are both good on both teams. Um, but really what sets these teams apart from the rest of the NFL, in my opinion, is the fact that nobody can get a hand on uh, Aaron Rodgers and holes open up for those San Francisco running backs, and then those defenses can get sacks. I mean, the Smiths on Green Bay were back in the backfield yeah. every single freaking play. They looked a Zendaria lot like, Smith is so good. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think that's what you watch for this game. Whoever controls the line of scrimmage in this game, wins this football game. And I think it's the 49ers, but it could go either way, you know? Well, and that's been the 49ers cup of tea is control line of scrimmage. That's mm-hmm. kind of what they base their, what, what do you think pops? Do you kind of, uh, yeah, I'm or? in line with that because you know, the, the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers do have that three headed monster at running back still. Mm-hmm. And so they can, as they did in the last game, they can run the ball, run the ball. And, and, and like we talked about with Mahomes, the best way to beat green Bay is keep number 12 on the sideline over there. Yeah. Time and, so I think they can do that, and I think San Francisco's got the better defense. Um, so I, I, you know, this is the one I'd, I. Green Bay's got a chance, but I, I don't know. Something in my gut tells me San Francisco wins and and covers the spread. That's I think that's what happens in this game. I I think I'm going against y'all on that one. I think the Packers win. I just I don't know. It seems like one of those weird years, and I've been I haven't trusted Packers all year, but I've it's kind of been what I fall back on every single week. Is I just feel like it's one of those years where Aaron Rodgers is going to do some crazy Aaron Rodgers stuff. And I think down by four, two minutes, I just really trust Rodgers. And I think he has a shot. I think he knows this is his shot. You know, he's getting a little older, but that Mm -hmm. defense is good. Devonta Adams is looking healthy. Aaron Jones is a good running back. This is his time if he wants to get another Super Bowl. Good point. You're not going to get a whole lot of more opportunities like this. And I just don't know – I just don't know if Garoppolo is ready if it comes down to we need Garoppolo. Now, if if the run game's going and they got a lead, I think he's just fine. He's going to make good decisions. But if it comes down to now we need to go air it out and we can't trust the run game because time's running low, I don't trust Garoppolo yet. Um, I trust Kittle. 
That's the only issue I have. You got I don't know. I don't know who the Packers have to guard Kittle. They can get pressure. <laughs> you know, I think they got the NFL doesn't have anybody to guard Kittle. Kittle. <laughs> I mean, it's not just <laughs> the Packers. <laughs> so, yeah, this isn't a Packer problem. This is an NFC it's NFL an problem. Um. <laughs> uh, so that'll set up. We got a good matchup coming up for for the AFC and NFC championship round. By the way, once again, do want to remind you if you want to do a little gambling on the where, conference where do I do that? Weeks, Head over to our friends at my bookie. Oh, I put just in the promo code. Earlier. Thank you. Mybookie.ag. Put in the promo code chair. Double your first deposit and put some lay some cash on the game. Trust me, there's no. It's not there. Nothing's better watching the game than watching the game and winning some cash too. You know yeah, somebody so. that might need to go to my bookie and make a little hedge bet. Who's that? Who's that? Is Mike Vrabel? Did you hear what he said at the beginning of the year? <laughs> oh God! How, yeah. How much of a bet would you have to make up that way? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Well, for the people that didn't see pops, what 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 quite what may be on the line for old Mike? Well, Vrabel? apparently, in a podcast prior to Head the, coach of the start of the season, it was busting with the boys, and it's it's led by a former Titan and a current Titan. So I guess Vrabel had some sense of duty, you know, to go on the pod. <laughs> But the guy asked him, uh, "Would you cut your, your, uh, your well, your penis off to win a Super Bowl?" <laughs> and uh, he didn't even use the word that nice. And and uh, Vrabel goes, "What? Well, hell yeah, yeah, I'd do that." <laughs> and, and, and now all of a sudden they're in the AFC Championship. Now there's, there's a chance that they could be in there. So I, I would, if I was Vrabel, I'd be a little torn of, of exactly. <laughs> I'd have a conflict of interest. Let's just say I would <laughs> yeah. have a conflict of interest. There was there was a funny moment after the game. I don't know if I can find it or I'm sure you can look it up. But Taylor Lewan, they're one of their better offensive linemen. Vrabel was giving everybody a handshake as they walked to the locker room, and Taylor Lewan was like the last one, and he was like, "You got to cut that piece off, coach. You got to cut that piece off." <laughs> so uh, yeah, Vrabel probably you know I, I'm sure he wants to win, but after the game he's probably like, "Shit, I, I don't know about this." So. <laughs> Yeah. It is pretty, hmm. pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> all right, do y'all have anything else y'all want to touch on NFL-wise before we move on? I think we kind of touched them all. I think we're good. I think we did. All right, I do. We mentioned last week uh, a little bit about the MLB and what they're trying to do with uh, try, after the whole sign-stealing scandal with the Astros and some of the crazy ideas they're introducing. And I don't know anything. There hadn't been much news on that. But there has been news on the punishment has now been divvied out for the Astros and the people that were involved in some of the sign stealing. And the MLB kind of, they came down pretty hard. So what they decided to do was they fined the Astros $5 million and then took away first and second round picks for the next two seasons. Wow. And then suspended the uh, GM, uh, Lunau or Lunau of the Astros for a year, as well as suspending AJ Hinch, their manager in the dugout for a year. And then right after that, the Astros owner held a press conference. I mean, it was literally like 30 minutes after, and he fired, fired both him. that GM wow. and manager. So he just kind of upped the ante. Uh, I'll go to you first, Pop. I mean, they laid down the laid down the law, but I think it was kind of the right decision. Or what do you think? I think so. I mean, you know, you know, there is, you know, there's this whole thing. If you're not cheating, you don't want it bad enough. And we all say that tongue in cheek, but we all realize there's a line. There is a line that you just don't cross, and that. Uh, that was just you take every advantage you can get. I'm just saying if I can, if, if I know your signals and I know when you say Omaha, you're running to the right or whatever. You know, if I figure that out by by just clever means, that's one thing. But that was just out and out cheating. And I think that the Astros uh, was that the owner, I guess, that fired him. 
Um, yeah, that was the owner. Yeah, the owner. I think he did what he had to do and to save face and, and show that he has some integrity. That's And, and then you saw Cora, who went over to uh, Boston, right, uh, was the manager. Yeah, Tuesday night, the next day, the next day, Alex Cora, who was on, he was the dugout, he was like the manager underneath A.J. Hinch, so he was kind of the dugout guy. And supposedly he's kind of the one that, came up with the the idea and the plan and everyone else got along with it. And the owner said the reason Hinch and the GM got fired was not necessarily because they created the method of science stealing, but they knew it was going on and did nothing about it. So he's, he's old and irresponsible. And I think it's fair, but yeah, like you said, pops, then a day later, now the Red Sox, they pretty much fired Alex Cora, but they mutually agreed to part ways. Cora has not been as of recording this. He has not been disciplined by the MLB, but it sounds like because they said they want to wait until they finish their investigation, but it sounds like his punishment could be big time. Like I've I've heard Jeff Passan, who is the writer for the ESPN for the MLB, he threw out the possibility of a lifetime ban because Cora not only initiated the sign stealing in Houston, he went to Boston, got caught that same year for the the Yankees reported them for possibly using smart wa- the Apple watches to do some sort of relay and of sign stealing, and then the MLB laid out they 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 put out a strongly worded memo saying if there's any more nefariousness when it comes to sign stealing and electronics there will be a strong punishment and Cora got caught again in 2018 the Red Sox were possibly stealing signs so it wow. it sounds like this Alex Cora was really toeing the line and I think the MLB may make a really big point on him yeah LJ what what do you think about just all this the, the the fallout from all this uh it's a lot i mean it's good to come out aggressive um because you don't want this to be happening so um i, I don't have much to add it's just you know if you don't want this in in the game of baseball you got to come out and make sure it never happens again so so question for you lj uh to, to further along this conversation the g a lot of these guys the gms the managers both two different managers losing their jobs they're getting hit hard People that aren't really getting hit hard are the players who were involved. And the players knew this was going on. The players were benefiting from this. One former player, Carlos Beltran, who was on the Astros during all this and is now the manager of the New York Mets, doesn't seem to be getting, it doesn't look like he's going to get any punishment. Do you agree with none of the players getting punished for this? I don't feel like the players could have done anything about it if they didn't want to be a part of it, really. I mean, there is like a point that you can, but you can become a pariah, you know? In the MLB, you can be like someone who calls out your own team. And um, I th- I feel like it comes from management. Like if management knows this is going on, if you can prove management had no idea, then yeah, the players are the people that you punish. But in this particular situation, it does seem like management knew what was going on, maybe even had it happening on purpose. And uh, it's hard to blame players for following, for doing what they're told to by their boss. You know what I mean? Like, if my, I don't know. my boss asked me to do something illegal, I'd say no, but like unethical, I'd consider it. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of, you got to listen to your boss or you don't have a job anymore. What's the difference between this and, and the PEDs? PEDs the players, are usually the, not. When, when you were taking PEDs, the players knew that was wrong, but it made them better. The players knew this was wrong with a video, with a, with a screen down there and watching the signs and relaying what pitch was coming they knew it was wrong but they were like it's also helpful yeah but your uh your 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 gm and your coach aren't like facilitating you getting your peds you're having to do that on your own and that's kind of the difference there i think but i think a lot of the people it seemed like a lot of the the peds was oh my trainer just told me to take this and i didn't realize this was what it was sure it made me feel better that is what, that's they what said. a lot of their stories was <laughs> well <laughs> i think to, to take lj's example and, and walk with it a little bit if you know your boss 
which is what your manager is, right? If you know your boss right. is doing something a little shady, um, I mean, it's not necessarily your responsibility to to rat him out. You know, I don't want to rat somebody. I kind of would like to think maybe I would have said, "Hey, don't bang the goddamn trash can when I go up to bat." I don't, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that. But I mean, I don't know that I'd tell the manager or tell on anybody. That's a it's a tricky situation. But I I think that the manager has more culpability than the players in this instance. You know who's got a you know who really has to be upset right now is probably Clayton Kershaw over at the Dodgers. He's been labeled as the guy who can't win the big game. Yeah. If you look at the two World Series he's lost, the Astros and the Red Sox both they in were the cheating. middle of all this sign stealing. <laughs> yeah. Who might have been cheating the whole yeah. time. If I'm Kershaw, I'm like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> I mean I'd be upset if I'm Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. yeah no yeah. kidding. But then again, he's got a big old he's got a fat old bank account. I'm sure he's doing just fine. But I would be pretty upset just knowing that that I can't win the big game because I lost to two teams that were cheating. That would bother yeah. me. That would lose a little sleep. Yeah. Another before I move on, I did want to if you ask I bet if you ask all 30 owners in Major League Baseball, all right, you have to give up five million dollars, lose your GM and manager and uh four picks, but you win a World Series, would you do it? I bet they'd all sign up for it. I'm just saying. Hell, Mike Vrabel's going to cut yeah. his penis off. So, yeah, I think they would do it. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I do want to to move on from sports-related topics. I have a uh, – a, 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 I wanted to talk to you guys about the GOAT of the weekend. And it has nothing to do with sports, but I want to talk – have you guys heard about Diego the tortoise? Yes. Diego. Have you not. have heard about this? Save the world, Yes. Diego pops for and for anyone else who doesn't know, Diego is being credited with saving his species species from extinction and has now returned to retire in the wild back at the Galapagos Island. So, what Diego, he was among fourteen gigantic male tortoises selected to take part in a breeding program over sixty years ago because his species was going extinct. About fifty year, years ago, there were only two males and twelve females in the entire species. And the program of him going to try to mate with other uh, tortoises and get their species back alive was not not only a success, it produced more than 2,000 new giant tortoises since it began. And Diego, is being his sex drive is said to be one of the main reasons. The 100-year-old turtle <laughs> is said to father around 800 children by some estimates. <laughs> and he is now returning back to the wild where he is... At, fathered at least 40 percent of the entire population <laughs> he's literally being cre- uh, credited for saving the tortoise population shout out to diego he's retiring but i bet he doesn't stop working if you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's still he's retired, but he ain't done working <laughs> That's pretty good, LJ. I like that one. I like that one. I just I came across that on on um, the internet and thought, wow, Diego. I mean, really, we talk about Patrick Mahomes putting his team on his back. Diego brought back the entire species; like he kept them afloat. Imagine the pressure. And now finally, yeah. The and fourth now, quarter of your species. His, Sorry, go ahead. What's his return? What's his return like back to the the Galapagos Island? I mean, he's he's got to be a king there, right? Walks in. I mean, well, he could either walk in as a hero or he's everybody's grandpa. So you know. <laughs> also, that did remind me, which I don't know if uh, it went viral a while back ago, but there's videos of just just Google it. I don't know if we'll put this in show notes, but. 
Google tortoises having sex. It's not like <laughs> real, like nasty. Just the sounds the sound they alone. make. It's really yeah. weird. Yeah, it's really, really weird. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave that at that. Um, someone else who seems to be retiring or or getting away from work, and we mentioned off the top, and I think Dad wanted to talk about it. The royal family's trying to get out of the royal family. <laughs> the the Megxit. What what is it? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle want to move to Canada. I think yeah, they want to right? move to Canada or, and just say yeah. that they want out of the royal family, right? I, I mean, I'm just catching wind of this uh, today. Do you know more about it, LJ? I mean, is there what's well the, the basic deal? idea? The basic idea is they're stepping away from their duties as senior members of the royal family so they can work to become financially independent, um, which I would imagine they're absolutely wealthy, right? So I guess they're trying to use that wealth to like then make its own money instead of like being indebted to the British people. I don't really, I don't know why they're doing it, honestly. And I don't know that anybody fully does, but it is wild because I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody just deciding to leave the royal family before, like as a duty. And uh, so, yeah, they're going to, they're going to move to Canada and uh, the only place where, you know, uh, the mother-in-law is still on the money but uh, it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of curious because like um, the there's not that kind of mess. It doesn't mess with the line, um, the the lineage, the the royal line or whatever. Who's going to be next up? But it does. Yeah, which go ahead. Well, Harry is on the father's side, right? So he's on the important side to where he could be. But he's like third in line. There's, I mean, he's right. got two older brothers that are both ahead of right. him. So, so he likely will never be. The, right. Yeah, the king. And, you know, so I looked up what what is the purpose of the British royal family? Yeah. And this was the stated the stated purpose of the British royal family is procreation. It is to produce <laughs> at least one heir to the throne to guarantee the survival. I mean, Diego should be on the <laughs> they royal ought family. To get Diego. <laughs> yes. But now this this is a little interesting. So this is is to guarantee the survival of a monarchy that began with Athelstan, Athelstan, which was the first king of England in 926. So this has been going on for, you know, quite some time. I kind of appreciate yeah. their t- tradition. But I also read that Queen the Queen made like $58 million last year. So, I mean, would, would you want to be an English taxpayer and support this royal family in this castle that really does nothing but... Is for, they love their royal family, don't well, they, over there? I, I, I think there's much. some do and some don't. I think there's some backlash kind of going, why are we doing this? Well, uh, there is definitely now there's some consideration on uh, with them leaving, the two of them leaving. Like, what? what, what is the point? Like, we're all thinking about it a little bit more. We, me, me and the British people, I guess. Um, but um, I don't think the taxpayers necessarily take care of them. I think their own property is what takes care of them, right? Like, they're making money off of stuff that they already own. Like, I think Buckingham Palace is... The Queen's not England's. I, I'm pretty sure. And that makes a lot of money off of tourists. Well, I would assume England built it, though, right, for the royal family. Um, sure. I don't in know, the same 58 million a year, you can build the White a House, but we're not so. still charging rent for it. You know what I mean? Like that, that's like where it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. But I mean, who's paying the electric bill? Who's paying the water bill? Who's paying the I think the, the Queen cars? is. The, the, well, out of her fifty-eight well, million dollars annual salary, I mean, good God! Um, and I maybe mean, you hella, got a point. Hella good benefits. Maybe, well, and maybe there are. Maybe they have some other things that make some income. They for own land all family. over the world. Like, there's definitely. Uh, I just recently uh, came across something where there's a piece of land where, like, the the Duke of Sainsbury or something like that, who's one of the royal family members, um, collects payment on this like huge swath of land, like 
near Lithuania or something like that. And uh, the amount of rent that he collects every year from it is exactly one tulip every single year. Um, but they just own land all over the freaking world um, just as a family, not as England. So I, they, they make a boatload of money just through their own, uh, you know, uh, charging people rent on their property. So I, I think it is interesting just in general. I, as far as I know, I don't know about you guys. I just don't think we've ever seen anything like this where one of the a part of the royal family wants to kind of get away for a little bit. I will say. Meghan Markle could probably convince me to do a lot of things. That she's like living a lifetime movie. She stole a prince. So yeah, literally <laughs> stole a prince. All right. Well now, well now the queen has, I believe as of recording this, she's granted them permission to move to Canada. So we'll see where that goes from here. Interesting story. Nonetheless, I don't really keep up with the British Royal family. This has been the most I've actually done, but I've, I brought Me it up too. at work a few times and there are some people that are fully invested in what happens with, with Prince Harry and Meghan. So we'll see. Uh, Pops, you had another topic you wanted to bring up, right? Well, I, I do. Do uh, either of you watch Will of Fortune? No. You, not on no, a regular. I, mean, I like I, it a lot, but not on okay, the regular. Well, it's one of those shows that if when it comes on, I sit there and I have to watch it till commercial break. Yeah. But my I favorite don't is when I'm at a bar at 5 p.m. Like that's good because you get to watch Wheel of Fortune with a bunch of bar right. patrons. Good stuff. Yeah, and you got to be solving. You got to at least solve the next puzzle. You don't walk out yeah. in the middle yeah. of a puzzle, right? Oh and no, not no, no sane person can. Well, you know, here <laughs> in probably like most places, it's on from 6:30 to 7. So it's that little. Inner, inner time where the news is over, there's really not much going on until seven o'clock is start of primetime shows or, or yeah, like the national yeah. championship comes on at seven, so yeah. you got thirty minutes to so you, got, so you watch that. So you know we're usually eating dinner, finishing the news, and we watch Wheel of Fortune. Well, Pat Sajak has had some uh, issues lately, some health issues, and he's been off. So Vanna White was uh, hosting the show. And sure. interestingly enough, uh, Pat Sajak's, I can't remember the, the girl's name, but his daughter was playing Vanna White. You know, she was going and turning the or touching uh, the letters. But my point in all this is Vanna White has been on the show since uh, 1982. Wow. 1982, she's been on the show. And you know what she learned about hosting it? Nothing is what she learned about hosting it. She is the most horrible, and and I'm not trying. I like Vanna White. I mean, it, but she is. You the, sound like you like her. She is the most awkward host I've ever seen. It's it's just terrible. And I don't know if maybe Pat Sajak is just so smooth because I'm gonna tell you, Pat Sajak is smooth as the. So maybe you're not. You're you're also getting that Vanna White's not good at hosting, but maybe you're kind of realizing how good Pat Sajak. Maybe may that's be. it. I am realizing maybe Pat Sajak is just that great, but boy, Vanna is not a very good host. Uh, and it got me looking at a few things on this. Do you realize that Will of Fortune started in 1975? I think we all know who uh, invented or originated was Merv Griffin. Y'all heard of Merv Griffin, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Game, game uh, show yeah, icon. Nope. You've yeah. never heard of Merv Griffin? Kel? Nope. Okay. Well, I mean, he's been gone a while, no doubt. But he he's the guy that came up with Jeopardy, oh, by the way, uh, and like Will of Fortune. Guy. The original host of Will of Fortune was Chuck Woolery. Does that name mean anything to y'all? Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay, LJ, a little bit. He was the love connection, you know, back in two and two, Chuck, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then Chuck Chuck Woolery, when he quit, they had a couple of uh, guys on, but 
Merv Griffin said that we had to have Pat Sajak. He was he he just just the the other person that had some ownership interest didn't want him, but he did. And then it has an NFL tie. Pat Sajak left to do a late night talk show for just a little while, and Rolf Benerska was the host of Wheel of Fortune. He was the kicker for the San Diego. I think Chargers I actually didn't know that at the time. I've heard. So so anyway, I just looked up a little bit of information about the Wheel of Fortune. It was pretty interesting. But the reason for this rant is I just love her to pieces, and she's a beautiful woman, but she's a terrible host (laughs) for Wheel of Fortune. It's almost unwatchable. It is almost unwatchable. Do you know what Vanna White's salary is? I think it's about $5 something like that. Wow. Double it. She makes $10 per year. Ten million per year, and and well, now Sajak was making last I saw was like triple what she makes. He was from what I'm looking wow. right now on CelebrityNetwork.com. Pat Sajak's salary is fifteen million, and Vanna White's is ten million. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, if she his should be more. I'm just <laughs> saying he is he is a smooth operator, as Sade would say. Wow. <laughs> I, I, Pat Sajak's up there. I mean, you would know better, Pops, but as far as like the goats of game show hosts, I mean, it's like him and Alex Trebek. They're kind of the, the goats, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Interestingly, two of the Merv Griffin, the top two game shows perhaps of all time. That Merv yeah. Griffin family is well to do. Mm-hmm. I would imagine so. Um, Before we, we, get, we wrap this sucker up, I do want to – I have a little – we haven't done this in a while, but I have a little etiquette with Kevin that I wanted oh, to bring up with you guys. Snap. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and it has to do, I, I don't think we've talked about this before. It's possible we have, but it, it has to do with group messages. Okay. And God, first, what a mind first field. off, uh, yeah. First off, I want to say group messages can, I, they can annoy me at times. Yeah. There's no reason. Like, don't, do you have the friends that will just start up the group message just to start up with a random message and now all of a sudden your phone is going, berserk yes yes what are we even talking about yep one and you know those friends they just and they'll do it they'll just send like a picture and and they'll just send like talk crap about one of your buddies and now this 10 person group message is just going off but the person the thing i really wanted to touch on the part that i that's i think it's just friends trying to talk with buddies and so i kind of get that one you know At, at times it can be funny but at times i'm rolling my eyes where i get where what annoys me is lj and you may have to deal with this more but iPhones and Androids have their differences. Yes. And one of them God. is on iPhones, you can like a message or inf- like you, there's God. little things you can do where if you're, if me and dad are texting, I can like a message and it just puts like a little exclamation point or something by it. Hate it. But if you do that to anyone with an Android, it then you like the message, but it says Kevin liked LJ's message and then puts in quotation yep. marks what LJ the just said. So like message. Yeah. So it duplicates the message. My etiquette to anybody with an iPhone. If you ever see that you're in a group message that is green, it is not iMessage. You are obviously texting with someone that is not an iPhone user. Don't use the like, emphasize, love, Thank any of those so buttons. Much. All it does, <laughs> and and I will say, I get what it is. So it just to me, I roll my eyes because it just makes it longer. Because now all of a sudden, every message is twice. Every time LJ texts, it's twice because someone liked it. The second thing, it confuses the hell out of people that don't realize that, like, if you're an Android user and you don't realize what iPhone message you're doing, yep. you're like, why is why is Kevin just retyping all of my messages yeah. every time? I don't understand. I what thought he's it was doing. the first time I saw it. I thought somebody was joking. Like, I thought that was like them like trying to be like verbose to be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and it took me. And then I got like eight more messages because it was like I was in a group message with a bunch of like uh, dance instructors because I was working this like dance event or whatever. 
And uh, and I kept getting they would get like, you know, it would have those like liked this. And I thought, OK, what a cute little joke or whatever. And then they would like ask a question and then everybody else needed to kind of, you know, like a, like, you know, thumbs up. Like, I got you. I heard you. Whatever. So right. we could move on. And people would just like so it would say like. You know, this person emphasizes this message. This person yep, emphasizes yep. this message. And it's like, so I'm getting like 50 messages saying that the same damn. Th- oh my god, I hate it so much. Thank you, Kevin. I just he he uh, man. Yes. Well, you're the man. It just it. Well, and one. So personally, what I'll do is like if I get a message, like if I'm really busy and and my phone vibrates or whatever. If I see it's one message, I bet okay, I'll check that. And you know, when I get a second, but all of a sudden, if I get like a bunch. Then I'm like, oh shit, oh crap, what's going on? I mean, something important might be going on. And then I realize what it's the one buddy that did the dumb thing where he's just sending the picture to everybody. Yeah. And then everyone else doesn't want a response. So now they're just liking it. Yeah. And if it happens to be not an iPhone one, now I'm getting a million messages. And if I ever want to go back in that group message and find an old message I thought was funny, it's gone. I have to scroll through all that crap where LJ liked, Lifford liked, and they retyped every single thing. And it just, if gone. you're in the group message, so it does that on that an iPhone green. too. I mean, I just just to be a kind of a, a dick, I just liked one of the things you sent to us in the group message. <laughs> right. Lifford so Lutheringer liked quotes waiting on your ass. LOL. <laughs> quote. Well, so it doesn't show that on mine. So what do you <laughs> right. mean? So you don't realize that it's doing that, but you're all you're doing. Like I, I'm gonna go like a message that you sent on an iPhone. Can we? Okay. Oh God. <laughs> if I like that message, and this is not good for the the listening audience, but. For anyone out there, that now that just shows a little thumb mark or a thumbs up thing on your phone from what I just liked. Instead of retyping out that entire message, now if you go through and like, if me and Elijah were having a full conversation and you just happen to miss it, and now you're going back and like liking the funny ones, it is retyping out every message that you like in our text message thread, and it's just driving LJ crazy, yeah. and he wants to pull his hair out. Yeah. And so my etiquette with Kevin is: if you realize you're in green messages, don't use the like button. There's no need. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Can I, is there is there can, any is there any other etiquette when it comes to group messages that y'all want to throw out there? Because I could one. go on this for a while. I've got one. Uh, one thing that drives me absolutely up the wall is when you're in a group message where it's been radio silence for like six days now, right? Like it's been like no one's had anything to say. You know, it's it's like a normal group message, and uh, and it's been silent. And then one person asks a question that like we need an answer to. Now is not the time for you to start spamming me with memes that you found yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't care about what you found on Reddit. It's not, I don't, whatever, just answer the question. That's why we're here. I don't need my phone to vibrate 50 times just so you can validate your humor. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm crotch deal so, man here. So but. you're saying in this group message, someone's just asking, Hey, are we still on for Saturday night dinner or something? And yeah. you could just say yes. Yeah. And now I'm dropping you the Spider Man meme and the new Hall of Fame guy meme and all kinds of stuff. Well, and, and like, then and then you start up. getting unrelated. You start like uh, you know posting pictures of like characters from the Lord of the Rings and say like that you know it, like pulling out like pointing out a, a discontinue or a, a, not a, a a goof in the production still or something like that. Like you're sending pictures of the Starbucks cup and, and putting LOL. Like I don't care. I don't care. Like you're just waiting for someone to talk in this message so you can share how funny you are. He don't care. He don't care, Kim. Don't. Pops, I feel, I think there's a name. I don't, I'm not saying LJ needs to call him out, but I think there's a name of him or her that is bad about this. And LJ just venting about that person. No comment. I believe the fifth. <laughs> he's, he's pleading the fifth. Okay. No, there are multiples. Um, there are multiples. It seems to be a pretty common thing, but anyway. 
That's pretty funny. All right, is there was there anything else that you guys uh, wanted to quick, touch on? Quick, quick we... shout out. We, you talked about Hall of Fame. I mean, so y'all did see Jimmy Johnson get Good stuff. his his Hall of Fame uh, deal, and it, it was beautiful, guys. I mean, it was yeah. it was you know this guy was very moved, and it was it was a, it looked like very honest emotion. It it made me kind of get a little. Yeah, I agree. I got a little emotional uh, about it. I thought that was very cool how they did that. On that, on that, did you think, I think Jimmy Johnson probably, if you look back at his career, he had an awesome, whether it was college football, NFL, I mean, he he was on some of the more memorable teams in the past. I think it was kind of obvious that he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but I I wonder if it meant more for him to be, because I think one of his quotes was, it really feels nice to be appreciated. Yeah. I wonder if that has something to do with the way the Jerry Jones thing and him ended, where Jerry Jones almost didn't feel to appreciate him, thought we could could win with anybody, and he clearly was wrong. I I thought it was really moving to see the the former players who really were reaching out. Like Michael Irvin had a tweet where he talked about how he was tearing-eyed. They showed shout out to the producer for whoever does their halftime Getting show. Getting those shots of Troy to yeah. show to show Troy Aikman tearing up. Producer of the year, he needs a raise. That was yeah. that was a good shot. That's an it, SP it was kind of moving. It was kind of moving to see not only how touching it was for Jimmy Johnson, but to see Troy Aikman sitting there like tearing up about his old coach. It was it was yeah. a cool moment. And then the Bill Cowher one the day before was a really cool. Oh, moment. I didn't get to see that, but but you know what? I get, Terry Bradshaw's a nut. He is just oh, a geez. freaking nut. You can you gotta love him, right? You gotta love Bradshaw. I mean, <laughs> can I throw another pr- production uh, good moment? That person deserves a raise. Kurt Minifee pulling Hall of Fame guy to open up to the camera a little bit more. That's a pro <laughs> move. Like that's that's something you just like Minif- usually let happen. And Kurt Minifee walks in there and fixes the picture. It was fantastic. Oh, Minifee is a pro. Minifee yeah, he for is the producer out there, they don't even have to they don't even have to tell him. He knows where yeah. the camera that he knows where he needs to be. He that he's a pro's pro when it comes to host. No kidding. Um speaking of the Hall of Fame guy. I did want to throw out. I was fascinated. I couldn't get enough of David Baker. Well, there's a lot the, to get. <laughs> well, one, one I want to touch on. So he's the guy that surprises these coaches. I don't know how a six foot nine, four hundred pound man surprises anyone. I know me and LJ have talked about this before. I don't know if it's been on the pod. One of my conspiracy theories is that Stevie Wonder isn't blind because Shaq's uh. story. It was Shaq's story about how Stevie Wonder knew it was Shaq before Shaq said anything. And LJ's point, and we're not going to go in depth, but LJ, your point was Shaq probably has an odor about it. I think David Baker might be one of those men. Not saying it's a bad odor. He's just so huge. I think you know he's in the room without ever seeing him. I don't know if he's walking up and surprising anybody. And then, so I did some more Googling because like, like, like we mentioned, I think we talked about this off the pod, but I was wondering – is Jimmy Johnson and Terry Brad are all these guys just small men? No, it's David Baker. Legit. Go look him up on the internet. Wikipedia, which Wikipedia can lie a little bit. Has him at six foot nine, four hundred pounds. <laughs> Other fun facts about him. He played pro hoops in Switzerland back in the day. Mm-hmm. His son played for the Atlanta Falcons. He's the former commissioner of the Arena Football League. Yeah. And just a little line they throw in on his Wikipedia page. He was <laughs> yeah. running for Congress at one point. And he got he quit after forging a check a fifty thousand dollar check to himself to finance his run. Yeah. They just throw that line in in the yeah. middle of his little bio, like it's like, oh, by the way, he forged a fifty thousand dollar check to to himself, which made him quit his run for Congress. <laughs> and then, Wait, what? And then his punishment was that he became the commissioner of the AFL. Like, I think he he actually did some time, but like, um, that's just crazy that that's like he's had a hell of a life. I think. Like, I'd love to read his book. Hmm. And now I, I don't think he didn't play in a, NFL football, which he probably could have. He could have been a hell of a center, but he is now the CEO, I believe, of the NFL Hall of Fame. So mm-hmm. I 
I think we need a 30 for 30 on David Baker and I'd his up it. and down life. I mean, that that guy. Is something. There's a picture on the internet right here of him standing next to Jerome Bettis, also formerly known as The Bus. And he <laughs> makes Jerome Bettis look like me and you. Yeah, I mean, he makes him look <laughs> like a look normal that up. It's the bus next to the ocean liner. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because David Baker, I just couldn't get enough of who is this Hall of Fame guy. And he wears some interesting, that red jacket and blue jacket he was wearing. I mean, he stands out. He's, yeah. he's a big man. And he doesn't just go get those off the rack at Dillard's, I guarantee you. <laughs> no, you got to go shop at the Big and Tall for those bad boys. <laughs> Who? Oh, man. All right, I think that will uh, wrap us up. Oh, oh, before we get out, LJ's got some more breaking stats. What do you da 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 So uh, I was looking up the the Queen of England and, uh, and how much money she gets paid by the taxpayer um in england and it's 49.3 million pounds goes to the royal family every year they call that the sovereign grant and that usually goes to like pay for something that the royal family needs done now yeah that's a lot of money right but the british monarchy contributes 1.8 billion pounds to the uk economy every single year including uh just 55 million or 550 million pounds in tourism alone so uh, they very, very much pay for themselves. Okay. Well, that's good oh. to know. That sure helps. Yeah. I'm glad you looked that up. So, that with the follow-up. Maybe we need a mind. royal family here. Can we be the well, new Could we just be the royal family of the United think, States of America? I think a sword has to be involved, but we can make this happen, right? I mean, yeah. i got props, friends. <laughs> a sword has to be involved. <laughs> a sword. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, one last one last breaking stat. This has nothing to do with the royal family, but did you guys see? I don't know if y'all even know what this is for sure, but we had a scoregami. Yes, over the past yes. weekend. Scoregami. I don't know if you if you keep. There's this a Twitter account called at NFL Scoregami, and basically it updates throughout the weekend on every game on whether we're going to get a scoregami, which what is the a, chances a, are a unique and... score that's never happened. Yeah, and does that make sense, pops? One no. What what score that's never happened? A score, an outcome that's never happened. So Kansas City beat Houston fifty-one to thirty-one. We've never ever had a game end at that final score. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So a score got me. It literally does this for every game throughout the week. It's like at one point, so it tweeted out at eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Go score update. Houston fifty-one, Kansas City or Houston thirty-one, Kansas City fifty-one. This game has a sixty-nine point seven percent chance of ending nice. in a scoregami. Most likely out scoregami would be fifty-one thirty-one, thirty-two percent. Huh. So it just it, it lets you know, and it was like at the end, it's like final. That's a scoregami. It's the one thousand fifty-four unique final score in NFL history. So I, I just that's kind of neat. That's pretty neat. Never happened yeah. before. It's pretty yeah. neat. Okay. It's, it, it's arbitrary. It means nothing, but just kind of neat. Yeah. Well, so there's that. <laughs> so there's that. I'm right. into it. I'm I, into it. <laughs> I think that wraps up this week's edition of the Just Press Play podcast. As always, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you're subscribing. Rate and review us if, if you haven't already. It always helps. And show notes over on our website at jpppod.com. Don't forget, if you're going to put a little put a little money down on the playoffs, go over to mybookie.ag. Don't forget to put in that promo code CHAIR. Not only... Well, let you get that double on your first deposit. It lets the people know who sent you and let them know that JPP sent you over there. So put that promo code chair in. You go over to my bookie and we wish you the best of luck gambling this week. And just a, another good week. Hopefully we get another good week of uh, NFL football. I hope we get another good weekend. Yeah. I Do y'all have a will. pick? Do y'all, y'all want to go ahead and put a pick for Super Bowl real quick? Yeah, sure. Just so I put your uh, name down to it. I think it's going to be Niners over Titans. Niners over Titans. Oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're picking the final. I was just saying who gets to the Super Bowl. You're picking the final, too. I'm picking the final. Pops? Yep. Pops, what say you? San Francisco over KC. 
Well, I'm going to go KC over Green Bay. I think if, if, if anybody is going to – I don't think the NFL fixes games, but if Roger Goodell were to fix games, it would be something to get Kansas City over Green Bay – which in year one, 100 of the NFL, yeah. wasn't that the first Super Bowl ever? Wasn't it yeah, Green Bay, 67. Kansas City? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. Interesting. And it would also have the great storyline of Aaron Rodgers beating the team that didn't pick him. That sounds like a fantastic storyline. Um, you get the young Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers. The yeah, 30s, a, torch pa- a torch passing, possibly. Um, yeah. yeah. I, if if the NFL if the was going in, to, that's good point. Good I know point. I know the NFL's not wanting the Titans. I, I like the Titans; they're yeah. fun to watch. The NFL's not wanting the Titans. I don't know what they're going to make up for storylines, but they don't want the Titans with eighty yards passing in a game to, <laughs> yeah. to make it to the Super Bowl. So we'll see. Either way, we'll be back here next week to break down some of the stuff from Conference Championship and look forward. We might have another update for to the Mexit going on with the Royal Family. Who knows <laughs> yeah. what we're going to? You be never know. About. All right, that'll do it, guys. I will catch you again next week. Peace out. Peace. Did y'all catch the, the, the text I sent about Corey Lindsley calling an audible from the center position? I, I never got to see the replay. I'll try to find it. I'll try to find it. What happened was they're getting down. They're, like, lining up for a play. And then Aaron Rodgers is, like, you know, he's just, like, looking around making his reads. He's, you know, calling Hunt or whatever. He's about to call Hunt. And then Corey Lindsley like looking around and he's about to point out the will guy i think or something like that and then he, he looks and he double takes and then he turns he like physically turns around and asks aaron Rodgers like hey what are we gonna do here and then aaron Rodgers starts calling an audible and then they throw a touchdown immediately like it was i've never seen a center turn around and tell the tell the quarterback that he was wrong and then especially that resulted in a touchdown it's pretty cool it is pretty cool. I think the relationship between center quarterback would, for like good relationships yeah. would be really cool. It needs to be close, yeah. let me just say. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, I just think both of those guys are the guys.